transmitting from the Mojave Wilderness in Joshua Tree, California. Now is the time for Desert Oracle Radio, the voice of the desert. Night has fallen on the desert. Half the country is freezing. Half the country is enjoying pleasant spring temperatures. And I'm shivering in the former half, the first half, the western half. On this cold night at the tail end of winter. A winter that is usually long forgotten in the Mojave Desert as the month of March approaches. But those of us who've been stuck out here for way too long do remember wild winters of the past. Some that lingered well into the merry month of May. That's how it was in 2008 and again in 2009. When I had the rare pleasure of being snowed in for a week straight, way up a dirt road looking over the western Mojave all the way to Saddleback Butte. And I remember trying to get up to Reno one time. This must have been the winter of 04, 05, I believe. When the 395 was closed from Lone Pine to the Nevada line and I made my way up Nevada on US 95. Along with every northbound semi-truck. By the time I got up to Fernley, Friendly Fernley, they were closing off the ramps to I-80 westbound, but I snuck through before the barrier was down all the way. And made it home just in time. It would be days before Interstate 80 reopened Reno, let alone over the Sierra. I'm too old for this kind of cold weather. Let's head over to some warmer climes. Let's get out of all this howling wind and nightly snow and cold slush everywhere. It's late night on the radio, and it's time to tell a story. August 
1969 is there a single month in American history that has been better documented, more dissected than this hot summer at the end of the 1960s. Like all history, August of 1969 is full of synchronicities and strange rhythms. The haunted mansion had its VIP opening on the very day Charles Manson's family butchered Sharon Tate, her unborn child, three house guests, and an unlucky visitor. Just up the highway from Anaheim. Benedict Canyon. On the same bright summer day, Richard Nixon moved into his western White House in San Clemente. While the astronauts returning from the moon were still locked inside their isolation tank, 25,000 U.S. troops would be withdrawn from Vietnam that month, the same week the first revolt of American soldiers in the war against Vietnam made the national news. When the entire A Company of the 196 Light Infantry Brigade sat down on the battlefield and refused all orders... Near Woodstock, New York, some 400,000 people gathered for the famous music festival. And on the same weekend on the Gulf Coast, the most intense hurricane yet recorded smashed into Mississippi with a 24-foot storm surge killing hundreds and injuring 9,000 people across four states. Hurricane Camille. On the night of August 17, 24 people defied the evacuation orders and gathered for a hurricane party on the third floor of the Richelieu Manor Apartments in Pass Christian, Mississippi. The building was completely destroyed and only one of the 24 partygoers survived. In Alabama alone, 26,000 homes were obliterated along with at least a thousand businesses, mostly retail. And Alabama is where our story takes us tonight, the top of the state, Lawrence County, on the Tennessee River. Muscle Shoals is a couple miles across the Colbert County line where Wilson Pickett and a young session guitarist named Dwayne Allman had just recorded their blistering version of the Beatles' Hey Jude. The great Jesse Owens was born in Oakville, grandson to a slave. A couple miles to the east in 
next to the mysterious Oakville Indian Mounds. There are Tennessee Valley Mound complexes all around here. The Pinson Mounds and the Shiloh Mounds, both on the Tennessee side. On the Owl Creek Mounds, just beyond Tupelo in Mississippi, and the Etowah Indian Mounds across the Georgia line. And those are just the mounds that have been set aside as historical places, state and local parks. In a place where the hills and mountains rarely top a thousand feet, the traveler sometimes comes across an ancient mound rising from a pasture. Cows standing around the top, peering down through the pines. Mounds that were actively used until some 1,500 years ago as ceremonial and cultural sites. Mounds that were being first constructed when the armies of Julius Caesar were destroying ring forts and holy groves in Gaul. Lawrence County, Alabama has the highest percentage of Native Americans in the state to this day, in large part because Cherokees who evaded the Trail of Tears displacement had made family and community with Europeans who'd crossed the Appalachians. The latter often to escape their servitude in the English colonies. The woods and hills rise gently southward into the immense Bankhead National Forest, which, unlike the Western National Forest, is a place where many people still live. Where the winding back road takes you past many old cemeteries and the remains of log cabins and stone towers. And a half century ago, as the moon astronauts were brought out to meet Richard Nixon's West Coast donors at a Century Plaza Hotel State Dinner, the people of Lawrence County, Alabama, were living in terror. Living with something wild and horrible out there. Screams fill the night. 200 search forests for Mystery Woman. Town Creek, Alabama, Associated Press. Haunting screams and hysterical crying have filled the hot summer nights of this rugged mountain area for the past week and sent more than 200 searchers into dense forests in search of a mysterious wild woman. One area resident, Mrs. Floyd Milligan, said she saw the woman last Monday night. She was walking calmly at first, Mrs. Milligan said. But when she crossed the road, she started waving her arms like wild and fell across a barbed wire fence and started running toward the mountain. Police Chief Vernon Waldrop, who has coordinated the searchers, said today that his men have found the wild woman's footprints in the hills, but not much else. 
Chief Waldrop says most of the people who've heard the woman at night report that she screams three times. She does this at intervals, he said, and although I've never heard her, some of my men have. Last Wednesday, three youths reported they had seen the woman, but before they could catch her, she ran into the woods and disappeared. Waldrop says he receives daily reports from persons who claim to have seen the woman or have heard her screams. But he doesn't know how much of it to believe. Despite the daily reports of the creature, or human, or phantom, or whatever the damn thing was at any particular time, only a day after the first report went out on the National Newswire, Lawrence County authorities had called off the search. The 200 searchers, including 50 National Guardsmen from the 115th Signal Battalion, were told to go home. They'd found nothing but some blankets out in the woods, which they suggested maybe were stolen from clotheslines outside farmhouses. The Birmingham Post-Herald reported on August 5th that the police could not find anything or anybody, and that was it. Not days later, but an entire year later, the wild woman was back in the Alabama newspapers, but this time the creature was 250 miles to the south. And here we quote from an editorial published in the Op News on August 20, 1970. Quite a bit of stir has been created about the alleged capture of a wild woman from the woolly swamp bottoms of Pea River. That's P like P-E-A. Although the Op News has been unsuccessful in finding anyone who will admit having actually seen her, the rumors now have it that she is being held captive in the Elba, Alabama jail. The Elba Jail denies this, stating that although they have jailed many a wild woman, they don't at this time have a wild woman. Like many rumors, the longer it exists, the bigger it grows, and this is no exception. Tales have her doing everything from attacking men at the garbage dump to chasing cars and barking like a dog. She is reported to be very old, dressed in rags, and weighing less than a hundred pounds. From the Op News, August 1970, and reprinted a few weeks later by the Alabama Journal. 
The Pea River Swamp harbored many such phantoms over the centuries, the most persistent being the Black Panthers seen by so many. Yet never photographed, never trapped, never shot, despite hunters and soldiers being the primary witnesses. As any local naturalist will insist, there are no Black Panthers in the Alabama woods. Mountain lions may wander through the hills and the woods, mostly from neighboring Florida. But there are no such populations living or breeding within the state. And the last Alabama mountain lion was shot and killed in 1948. The only wildcat that calls Alabama home is the bobcat, and neither the visiting Florida panther nor the native bobcat have black fur. And yet enormous black cats are routinely reported by people hunting and fishing the forests and rivers and swamps of Alabama. Wildlife biologist Mitchell Marks wrote the following for Outdoor Alabama in 2014. Year after year, reports of large black cats come in from across the state. The reports vary from mere sightings to pets disappearing and livestock being killed. Reports have been investigated, evidence photographed, and samples taken to try to prove or disprove that these animals exist in Alabama. However, they have proven to be so elusive that even the best trappers have not been able to catch one. A look at black cats known to exist in other parts of the world may lead us to find out which, if any, black cats are to be found in Alabama. Alabama has only two native cats. The first and largest is the mountain lion, also called a cougar, a puma, a panther. Cougars are tawny brown, grayish in color, weighing from 75 to 120 pounds, and can reach a length of about six and a half feet, nose to tail. The population, if it still exists, is scarce within the state. The bobcat is the other native cat found in Alabama. It is much smaller, with a short tail and spotted fur. Adult body weights normally range from 25 to 30 pounds for the bobcat. Despite its small size, it is a formidable predator. However, neither of these cats has a black or melanistic color phase. So with no native black cats in Alabama, what are people reporting seeing? Almost all of the reports are proven to be cases of mistaken identity or possibly animals that have been released or escaped from captivity. Some field investigations have found distinct tracks and are bite marks. Further investigations have revealed the tracks and bite marks match those of canines, not felines, so the culprits are many times coyotes or dogs. After reviewing trapping and hunting records back to the 1600s and reports of vehicle collisions with animals from around the state, we can say with relative assurance that there are no native black cats in Alabama. 
What is unique about the Wild Woman Tales is that the phantasm is so definitively gendered. With the state's other two commonly reported monstrosities walking on two legs, the Alabama White Thang on the Tennessee River side of the state and the Bigfoot long reported closer to Oppenelba, the names describe their memorable attributes. The Bigfoot, like all such North American big hairy monsters, leaves occasional oversized footprints that match no known biological creature. And it has a sulfuric stench, like Florida's infamous skunk ape. Skunk ape and any number of monsters going back to the Old Testament and Greek myth. The white thing, spelled thing with an A if you're looking for details, is said to stand eight feet tall and is covered in what seems to be thick and shaggy white fur. And to make a sound that one witness described as an adult woman screaming like crazy. By the time the wild woman had reached Mobile, another year had passed. In the summer of 1971, a newspaper artist took a stab at drawing this thing based on varying eyewitness reports. It has the body of a large wolf, another animal not native to Alabama of our time. A large wolf with a thickly furred tail, but that is where its relation to natural creatures ends. The front legs have long clawed fingers, talons, really. And these front legs bend upward like a person's arms at the elbow. The mane is twice the length of an adult wolf's, more like a long head of human hair reaching near to the ground, while its tall ears poking up through the mane are more like those of an elf than a member of the canine family. And then there's the face. Lacking anything like a wolf's muzzle, it's flat, in fact, with a small nose over a small fanged mouth. And large eyes staring out under thick brows. Let's read from the newspaper. Is Wolf Woman skulking around the city? Various area persons claim seeing creature. Could this be what Mobile's mysterious Wolf Woman looks like? The drawing above was created from various descriptions of the night creature phoned in to the press register during the past week. The apparition evidently frequents the Davis Avenue and Plateau areas after nightfall. And here, 
Our wild woman vanishes again. After three summers of raising hell up and down Alabama, maybe she went down into the Gulf of Mexico to that great dead cypress forest discovered just a few years ago off Dauphin Island. They come when we need them most, the creatures of the night. And they will be back again wherever the town meets the wilderness, the farm meets the forest, the city meets the swamp. This is, for now, Desert Oracle Radio, and I am Ken Lane, probably for good, for better or worse. There are some strange sounds on this program, soundscapes by Red, Blue, Black, Silver, wherever he is these days. If you are in Los Angeles on Monday evening, February 27, specifically near Skylight Books, well, I will be stopping by to toast Alta Journal for their recent big issue all about the California desert, which I have been in and around for far too long. Far too long for anybody's well-being, especially my own. It's not a show or really anything to get excited about, so please don't go out of your way, but if you're in the neighborhood, I'm glad to see you come by. Depending on who you are, I mean. But before I sign off and remind you not to swallow rattlesnakes or whatever desert tourist tips some people expect from this program, let me read a little typeset note that is preserved just above the 1971 newspaper sketch of the Wolf Woman. Dear subscribers, we are once again late due to various problems. We hope to be on time next issue. Well, I'm about done with three months of wrestling with printing companies, and it's almost on the schedule, which means soon it will be someone else's thing to mess up, like the printing plant and the U.S. Post Office. Meanwhile, you know who I think had a real good idea? It's Ambrose Bierce. The great Ambrose Pierce. 
Good night.